The Charger season has started disastrously, and if they want to turn things around, there are several players they desperately need to step up. You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer. And we've been covering the Chargers together now for eight seasons, but this is our sixth year as a host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Thank you guys, as always, for making us your first listen today. And to make sure you never miss the show, go subscribe or follow for free on the Locked On Chargers YouTube channel and listen wherever you get your podcast from. David, what do we got today? Daniel, we get into our Chargers mailbag today, talking about players that need to step up. Is it time for Derek Ansley to take over defensive play calling? And is there any way that the Chargers can afford to bring back Austin Neckler? Yeah, I mean, we will see. But I think he definitely showed his importance in the last game. We'll see. Hopefully, fingers crossed, we can see him play this weekend because it feels like the Chargers are really going to need him going up against the Vikings this weekend. So, Today's episode, though, is brought to you by PrizePix, the easiest, most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNFL. Use code all lowercase LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. David, we had a very good question here that spurned a different question for us because we had Shaggy619 that hit us up on X or Twitter and asked, Locked On Chargers, who on defense has to have a good game? Otherwise, we're probably struggling. I'm going Sebastian Joseph Day. If we get no push up the middle, we're getting picked apart. So I think that's a good call for the upcoming game, and we will get more into our game matchups. But what it made me think of is which players of the Chargers really need to step up in general to kind of turn this thing around because the season is careening towards a cliff right now, and the Chargers desperately need some guys to step up. And to me, David, it starts with the secondary because this has been a plus for the Chargers in years past. I mean, maybe mostly due to their terrible run defense and teams being able to run at will. But they were much better than what we've seen this year, especially from a group of cornerbacks we thought would be a strength going into the season. So when I'm looking at guys that have to step up or else things are going to continually continue going poorly for them, I'm looking at the corners. I'm looking at this secondary, which has had a really rough couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, and also just the secondary in general, Dan. You, you look at the guy who leads the secondary, and that's Derwin James. And unfortunately, when you look at you know the receptions that he's allowed, it just has to be better. I mean, it's six receptions on seven targets for 58 yards and only one pass breakup for, for DJ through two games. And I think we're just expecting, and we have expected, that that output to be a little bit better. Also, Asante Samuel Jr., six receptions on seven targets, 127 yards. Of course, that includes a 70-yard reception that he gave up to Traylon Burks in the Titans game. And also, Michael Davis, 10 receptions on 13 targets and three touchdowns allowed already to, through two games. And Michael Davis was the best corner on the Chargers team last year. I mean, I think the yeah. way he played down the stretch was something that if he didn't provide that, the Chargers are probably not making it to the playoffs. I mean, that's how important it was for Michael Davis to, to play the way he was. So you just need your guys in the secondary, the guys that you rely on to step up their game. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, when you've given up the most passing yards in the NFL over the first two weeks, it seems very you know relative to that you know i mean i think also when you give up 20 of 24 to ryan Tannehill and let him complete 82 percent of his passes like who else are you supposed to look at especially when the first week you know you could say hey the pass rush didn't get home 
the Dolphins were a scheming nightmare and had the perfect game plan, which is all true, right? Yeah. But at a certain point, though, you need players to step up and start making plays. And last week, there just wasn't anyone, once that ball was in the air, that was stepping up and going to break up a pass, right? Yeah. Way too many easy completions allowed by these corners. And, like, at this point, I mean, you've seen all of them get burnt at one point or another. J.C. Jackson burned on the Tyreek Hill 35-yard touchdown, which – yeah, you're not supposed to have him one-on-one. Well, he kind of wasn't, right? Daniel Popper did a good breakdown of it. He was supposed to force the receiver inside where he had help with Derwin James over the top. He didn't, so he got burnt on the outside in one-on-one coverage. You have Michael Davis getting burnt by Chris Moore for a 49-yard catch, and Asante Samuel Jr. getting beat by Traylon Burks on a 70-yard pass. So it, no matter where you look, David, like you felt pretty good about all three of these guys. I think you had probably the biggest questions about J.C. Jackson. He probably played better in week two than he did in week one. He did, but I think the other part of this is, too, is, like, the Chargers don't know what they're doing there right now. I mean, yeah. they were rotating in their starting corners last week. We did hear from Brandon Staley that Jasir Taylor is now the starter at star and played most of the snaps there last week, so he is their nickel corner now. So now you have a rotation between J.C. Jackson, Michael Davis, and Asante Samuel Jr. And the interesting thing is Brandon Staley says, hey, it's part of the ramp-up program for J.C. Jackson. But if it's part of the ramp-up program, then how are you also saying, well, it's also performance-based and we're seeing what they do in practice and that's going to dictate who we're going to play in the game. So, like, which one is it? Are you trying to limit J.C. Jackson's snaps or are you not sure who should be out there right now because all of them have had their faults? And we've seen all of them play much better than this. So, for me, I mean, Derwin James, I have much more confidence he's going to figure it out. Feels like he's been trying to put out fires all over the defense, so it's hard to really put a ton of blame on him. But, I mean, I think... (laughs) The corner that's probably played the best is Jasir Taylor, right? Like, he had one big play allowed to Tyreek Hill on a third down. But besides that, I mean, last week he only gave up two catches for a total of five yards, came up and made a great open field tackle. Yeah, Really good player coming up and tackling so far in the limited snaps that we've seen him. But the Chargers have to figure out who those other two corners are, and I don't necessarily think having them go out there and rotate David is the best way to kind of go about it. Yeah, I just don't like I don't like that. I mean, really in any sport, I mean, you have to build that rhythm. You have to go out there and get that repetition because the more you're out there, the more you can try to figure out the receiver who's in front of you, how they're trying to release, what leverages they're trying to play, how they're trying, you know, to to get separation. I mean, those all things just like pass rushers, they learn as they go. Corners yeah. are doing the same thing. They're trying to learn the receivers as they go and then be able to, you know, that's how they're going to be able to take chances and be able to, you know, go get interceptions is by knowing what the tendencies are of the receiver in front of them. And it's hard to yeah. get that information when you're not out there on a consistent basis. And all you really need to do if you're going to play Jasir Taylor in the slot is find two of your three corners that can go out there and play at an average to above average level, something we've seen from all those guys. But this from Brain Staley, the, those three guys now outside, outside J.C. Jackson, Asante Samuel Jr., Michael Davis, will play based on, like I said, J.C. Jackson's ramp up and how they're performing in practice and the game. We would like to see those guys get into a rhythm right now. It's competitive. So how can they get in a rhythm? If they're getting yanked out of the game, I don't know. But if you were looking offensively, David, someone who needs to step up, who would you end up going with there? Yeah, I mean, I think going into the season, we were pretty excited uh, about the the kind of the young guards, you know, and, and what they were going to look like this year. And yeah. unfortunately, through two games, it, it you know has been a little bit inconsistent. I mean, it's been nine pressures given up and three sacks between Zion Johnson and, and Jamari Sawyer. And so I think we've seen some communication breakdowns, especially on those third down situations 
where you know they're sending the house at you and, and they're trying to confuse. I think they've really tried to run some stunts and some games on those young interior offensive linemen. And, and I think that is something that's going to go away a little bit more. They're going to be able to bottle that up a little bit more as time goes by, as they build that chemistry playing, you know, next to Corey Lindsley playing, playing next to Trey Pipkins playing, you know, next to Rashawn Slater. I think that's going to come in time, but, the Chargers don't have a lot of time, so they need to figure it out, and they need to figure it out now. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, Jamari Sawyer, I think it's more of a pass, right? Played left tackle all of last season. He's transitioning to guard. Yeah, definitely. Whereas Zion Johnson just moving from the right side to the left side, somewhere where he should have been more comfortable, right? He's playing next to two all pros with Rashawn Slater and Corey Lindsley. We just, I think the weird thing with Zion Johnson is he looks good for like 95% of the game, and yeah. then he just has like a couple of really, really bad reps. Both of them are good at run blocking. I'm not going to hold this last week against them with that front they went up against with the Titans because that's just a nasty front that doesn't yeah. allow rushing yards, right? But no, they're, both of those guys are good run blockers. We saw it in week one against the Dolphins, you know, and I think we'll hopefully see it a lot more this week as well. But starting to get a little bit more worried about Zion, right? I mean, I, it's still early. I, there's still plenty of time. There's, a, you know, a lot of good flashes in there. But the problem is, is all these things are happening late in games. Yeah. And as much as you want to point any blame for how these first two games have gone down, if you go back and look at the end of those games, the Chargers are giving up key pressures, key sacks, you know, intentional groundings caused by pressure because of pressure that's coming from the inside. That's pretty much what's happened in each of the first two games at some point or another. So they have to get that figured out. But you know who else has to get it figured out? Brandon Staley. Because if he doesn't, a tier thinks that it could be Derek Ansley that's calling the plays soon. So we're going to get into that and if this team is lacking confidence coming up right after this. First thing I need to tell you guys about our partners at eBay Motors. eBay Motors have teamed up with Lockdown Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you players that are a guaranteed fit on your roster. So let's see what Vinny has picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. Eagles wide receiver A.J. Brown is looking for his first touchdown and 100-yard game this season, going into week three against the Buccaneers, but he has a great chance to accomplish both of them after combining for 11 catches on 16 targets for 108 yards the first two games. The Buccaneers have struggled with number one wideouts early, and their run defense will make Jalen Hurts throw a lot more as the squeaky wheel expect Brown to get plenty of grease on Monday night. That's true. When you see guys on the sideline blowing up on their quarterback, I mean, as long as things become copacetic at some point, you're probably going to see that man force-fed, and maybe it's just wishful thinking because I definitely have A.J. Brown on my fantasy team or one of them, so I'm definitely hoping for some more output. Vinny, bring it home this week. But Vinny Iyer from Locked On Fantasy Football is going to help you guys win your fantasy championship, and eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit, and it's the same with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with brake kits, LED headlights, a roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. And I can't stress this enough. When you're someone like me that doesn't know a ton about cars, you want to make sure that you're going to be getting the right part. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, you know you're going to get it. So keep your ride or die alive at ebay.com motors. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. All right, David, well, we have a fan favorite coming up on today's show, a voicemail from a tier. And if you don't know a tier, 
you're in for a treat today, but the everydayers know when a tear calls in, you got to get him on the show because he has takes and he has a hot one today, but he does have some hope as well. So let's hear what a tear has for us this week after a couple of tough losses. Dan, David, this is a tear. This is what I will say. Coach Staley will not be fired. The Chargers will turn it around. They will find a way to get a win this week at Minnesota. But my prediction is this. If the defense give up over three to Minnesota, the Chargers ownership and the front office will force Coach Staley to give up the play calling on defense and focus on coaching to keep his job. What do you think? Let me hear you, please. Love you. Both up. Dave, this is interesting, right? Because it's the middle of the season, so things are a little bit tougher to move around like that, right? But Atir is saying there's hope. He thinks they're going to go beat the Vikings this weekend. But they could definitely beat the Vikings and still give up 30 points defensively. So that's not out of the question. All these things could, you know, the stars could align to bring a situation where the Chargers defense is giving up, you know, an average of more than 30 points over the first three weeks of the season. And, I mean, outside Tyreek Hill, they have their scariest weapon they're going up against this week in Justin Jefferson, right? So what do you think about this? Is this something you could see happening or, you know, I guess with Derek Ansley, what do you think that looks like if the Chargers were to say, hey, Brandon Steely, you just coach, be the head coach. Derek Ansley's calling plays now. I just don't know how it's going to be any different. I mean, Derek Ansley is a disciple of Brandon Staley. Like, he is, like, one of his right-hand guys. Like, yeah. he's been there with him, and he's, you know, con- it's been still Brandon Staley's Brandy defense for even a long if time. he takes over. Yeah. yeah, so I just, I don't, I mean, sure, you can call different plays in different situations, but I just don't know how much different it's going to be. You, you can't tear down the system. You can't change it all the way up now. No. It's way too late for that. You kind of have to roll with it. And you just have to try to push those buttons. And you need these guys to flat out just play better and then play the techniques the way they're supposed to. And maybe you'll get a, a little bit better results. But I just, you know, even if they do do that, I just don't know how much different it's going to be. Yeah, I would agree with that for the most part. I mean, Derek Ansley does have some experience calling plays. He did it collegiately at Tennessee in 2019 and 2020 when he was hired there as their defensive coordinator. Obviously, he was a defensive backs coach last year. This is his first year as a defensive coordinator. Also, his group isn't doing great, right? I mean, the, the group he specialized in on the back end has a lot of lapses right now and a lot of explosive plays a lot. So I don't know if that helps. But I think you would do this because you're trying to take anything else, right? Like the, the right. reason you would do this is because you're saying, hey, we have to try something. We have to shake it up. So, I mean, I don't think it's totally crazy. I don't know how tangible it is. I don't think it makes the Chargers so much better defensively that you do it right now. But at a certain point, you got to try something different. And the one thing we don't really know is how much the head coaching part of Brandon Staley's job is taking away from him as a play caller. Because we knew right. as a play caller and, and you know, coaching the Rams defense in 2020, they led the number one defense. Also had you know Aaron Donald and Jalen yeah. Ramsey as well, but still a lot of auxiliary pieces he made it work with. I think the big thing is is like we don't know how Derek Ansley would call a game, but I'd understand why we would want to find out because of the way the game is There's getting something different right now. Yeah, something different. Yeah. Let's get to this one from Eva on X who asks us: Do you think this team has lost confidence? Also, with three years into Staley's defense, why can't the players adjust, or is it a coaching issue? So let's start with the first part of this year, David, because I think it is a good question, especially coming off the way the Chargers ended last season, 
And the way they've started this season, I think it's a fair question to wonder what confidence this team has right now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably a little bit on the lower side just because, I mean, you have a lot of talent on both sides of the ball, and it's just the problem of can we push it past the threshold and secure the W? Can we be the ones that have the lead at the end? And, I, I mean, there's just got to be those thoughts that creep into the back of your mind, like, can we do it? Can we actually yeah. finish one? Can we get back in the win column, please? Like right. it's been months and months and months since the Chargers have won a football game. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it naturally it, it does creep into the back of your mind and it does affect kind of the way you think and the way you do things. And, and until you get that W, until you get that win, that confidence is probably not going to be restored. I agree. I mean, I think confidence is built by stacking successes. That's something we've talked about before and kind of building momentum up. But like when you haven't won a game since January 1st of 2023, where is the confidence coming from? Right? Like, I mean, it feels like that lack of confidence is showing up late in games when the Chargers aren't going out here and finishing and things keep going wrong. It does seem like, you know, that there's a reason people are asking Brandon Staley about the Jacksonville game because it's like we're seeing a lot of similar things that happen in that game bear themselves out in front of all of us the first two weeks of the season where you had a fourth quarter lead in each of the games and you found a way to not win those games, right? And I think to the other part of this, right, and Brian Staley defensively specifically, like every starter outside of Eric Hendricks has been in this system before, right? He's the only guy that hasn't played in Brian Staley's system. Even J.C. Jackson had limited action last year, but still has had two off seasons to learn this defense. There's something getting lost in translation. We've said it a hundred times, right? Whether it's, you know, we thought maybe through Ronaldo Hill, we thought maybe Derek Ansley coming in, he would be a better kind of middleman to get these things installed, to get the you know everyone on the same page. But when you play the way the Chargers have the first couple of weeks, I don't know how you could say anyone's on the same page at this point. I, I mean, I the players have to play and they have to go make plays, but there's just too many lapses for a, a unit whose you know continuity we really preached in the off season as one of the biggest ways they could improve. That hasn't taken in any kind of shape so far in 2023. So let's get to this one quick from Kevin. Do you think this Chargers defense still has potential to be a top 20 defense, or do you think it kind of is what it is at this point, David? Absolutely not. It's not. It it definitely is not what it is at this point in time. I think we've seen – and it's hard, and I think it's hard to, to think. I have a it, confidence issue in the, with the Chargers as well, because right now I have zero confidence in them. Right, I, and I, under, I, I understand <laughs> it, but I, I'm not going to Are they a top 20 defense? Do you think they're going to be a top 20 defense? Right now, absolutely not, but I do feel like there's some things to be encouraged by. I think the their play against the run is better you know, so far this year than it has been in the last couple of years. They just got to get more connected on the back end. They got to stop giving up the explosive plays. That pass defense... which was a major strength for them last year. If that doesn't turn around, then there's absolutely no chance that they can be a top 20 defense. But I think they they need to really, really make some strides on the back end. They need to get some turnovers, and that's going to help sway things in their favor. I totally agree with that. And and I think the most frustrating thing about the defense is like you've been mostly healthy the first two weeks outside of Eric Kendricks missing this last game. Obviously, Joey Bosa limited, but like you have a lot of the pieces in place. You can't blame injuries. Right. I don't know how you can have any confidence that this team is going to be a top 20 defense based on what we've seen through two weeks with the schedule they have coming up. They have six top 10 offenses on their schedule still so far this year. Like that is important right now. They're the third worst team in the league allowing 31 and a half points per game, which I'm guessing is how we're trying to rate defense in this, you know, 
They are last in the NFL in passing yards allowed. They're 23rd in third down stop percentage. I mean, no matter where you look, the Chargers are a bad defense right now. They would have to change a lot of things. We saw a hot stretch from them at the end of last season against a really bad slate of quarterbacks. Maybe there's some teams who seem a little bit worse on the schedule now than they did only a couple of weeks ago. But, man, it's really hard for me to have faith that this is a top-20 unit, which it hasn't been the first couple of years under Brandon Staley, and even those defenses gone off to a much better start than the defense we're seeing in 2023. But we have more Chargers mailbag questions to get into, including – is Austin Eckler the most important player on the Chargers offense? Did we see that on Sunday? And is what we didn't see from him on Sunday enough to think he's going to get paid now by the Chargers in this upcoming offseason? We're going to get into that coming up right after this. First, though, I do need to tell you guys about my friends over at Price Picks because Price Picks is the only way I'm playing daily fantasy these days because with Price Picks, it's made super easy and it's the most fun I've had winning up to 25 times my money this football season. All you have to do, and this is what I love about it, select two or more players pick more than or less than on their projected stats, place your entry, and you're good to go. You wake up late on Sunday morning, doesn't take very much time at all. I've gotten many, many late entries in, but my favorite part about it is I'm not playing against someone else and hoping I have two or three different players, right? Going up against two or three of their different players and 90% of our roster is the same or our team, right? And this, I'm picking the projections I like, I'm finding the matchups I like, and I'm doing it solely based on that. For this game, you can go with Herbert over 295 and a half passing yards, but with the way the Chargers secondary is playing, like we talked about before, maybe Kirk Cousins more than or less than 277 and a half passing yards is the way to go. But go to pricepeaks.com slash NFL and use the code LOCKDOWNNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's pricepeaks.com slash NFL. Promo code LOCKDOWNNFL for that deposit match up to $100. Pricepeaks, daily fantasy sports made easy. David, we have more Chargers mailbag questions to get into, but that's just today. Tomorrow, we have a very big show because I'll be joining Luke Braun of Lockdown Vikings, one of the best hosts on the entire network for, you guessed it, crossover Thursday before we get into our keys for success on Friday. Thank you to the everydayers out there who have been making this the best start to a season that we've ever had. We really, really appreciate you guys. We're breaking records all over the place over here. Thanks to you guys and your support right so thank you guys for that make sure you're here the rest of the week to get all of our thoughts on this upcoming vikings game because after today it's all vikings for the rest of the week until we get to our post game hopefully talking about a win on sunday night but let's talk about this question from Superfan zach who asks, it seems like austin Eckler is the most important player on offense after sunday's performance how much is the team paying him in the offseason to make him stay david what do you think well, the, without the Chargers doing some major, and I mean major, cap gymnastics, uh, I don't know how there's any way that the still Chargers unlikely. can yeah. find a way to bring Austin Eckler back. I mean, they still have a lot of very big decisions to make on guys like Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, guys they all restructured. So And guys that and are already under contract, right? Like, right? That's the big difference there. Right, and also they're way, way over the cap. I mean, the projected cap for next year. So, I mean, Austin Eckler is extremely important. No, Don't get me wrong, but I don't know if there's really anything he can do this year for the Chargers and him to come to the agreement be just, just because of the type of money that he's looking for. It's hard to say, right? And I know there's a lot going around, swirling around right now. The NFL is filing grievances because the running backs are colluding to fake injuries. And I've seen Austin Eckler get kind of accused of that on social media too. I don't think he's faking anything. He's been, I mean, it just, I don't think it helps him, right? He does get a little bit less tread on the tires if he stays out a little longer, right? 
if that came out, do you think any team's going to want to sign him? If they think Absolutely he's faking not. injuries? No. He wants to get out there as much as he possibly can. He wants to get back out there as soon as possible. I'm sure of it because the best way for him to get paid is to go out there and produce in this season. Every game he misses is, you know, one touchdown less yeah. on his resume this season. Like, I mean, we know how productive he is, but I think we saw it, right? And I think in this last game, you saw where the Chargers really missed him. And I think it's also a glimpse into life in 2024 when Austin Eckler is a free agent. Yeah. And the problem is, is we haven't seen much from Isaiah Spiller specifically one carry on the season and one healthy scratch on the season so far, or even Elijah Dotson, right? The two guys they have under contract after this upcoming season. Yeah, Obviously Josh Kelly looked good in week one and he would be a more realistic option for the Chargers to target potentially next year. But the Chargers offense were absolutely much less dynamic without him. And the answer for how you replace him doesn't seem to be on the roster currently. So there's another place where missing Austin Eckler really hurt them. And I think that's where Bolt Up Andrew is coming from right here when he asks, what can Kellen Moore in the offense do differently this week to finish drives with touchdowns? He also asked, will the pass or run game be more important this week? So, Dave, let's focus on the first part of that here. You talked about the red zone inefficiency. What can the Chargers do to fix some of that after going two for five in the red zone on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, and I'm sure that you remember those two were two touchdowns to Keenan Allen. And in the first game, the the Chargers, when they got to the red zone, they ran the football, and they ran the football very, That's a big part very yeah. effectively. So for the Chargers, it's pass to get down to the red zone, and it's run to get into the end zone. I, I honestly feel like the Chargers really need – to run the football very efficiently in the red zone. And that's how they're going to turn those three points into six points. And that's very, very important. Yeah, I think for me, that's where you saw Austin Eckler missing, right? Not just as yeah. a runner, but also being able to create outside of the end zone to do something to get into the end zone. Because one of the things I have, at least as far as how you turn in more touchdowns, I want to see more throws into the freaking end zone, right? Please? The fact that the Chargers get all the way down against the Titans you basically have a first and goal from the 13-yard line, and it's two, you know, seven-yard or, or less passes to Josh Palmer leading up to the third down where Justin Herbert got sacked. You went that whole series right there without throwing a ball into the end zone, right? Like, that's the part to me. Like, yes, there's going to be times where we're going to have to test the flats and, you know, sure. test the tackling and see if someone can get in while throwing it short. But Justin Herbert just has to have the confidence to chuck it into the end zone, too. Use obviously. your basketball team. You have all receivers exactly. over six foot two. Use them. Well, how about, I mean, right now, Mike Williams is the third most targeted receiver on the Chargers in the red zone, right? So he's 0 for 2 when he has been targeted, but we haven't really seen him actually targeted in the end zone very much through the first couple of games, and he's a guy that actually has a double-digit receiving touchdown season under his belt. So very interesting. I think giving Mike Williams more chances, I mean, he's tied with Donald Parham for third most on this team. Josh Palmer has three red zone targets. Mike Williams has two, so... As far as the matchup this week, we'll get more into that. I think the Chargers will have to be able to run the ball this week. But let's sneak this voicemail in from John real quick before we get out of here. Hey, guys. This is John in Anaheim. I love listening to you guys on the, the morning on my drive into work every day. Um, just wanted to see what you guys think um, you know, about our offense. I understand there may be kind of an adjustment period with uh, Herbert and the new Kellamore offense. But you know, one thing that uh, Herbert really did well – previously is rolling out and throwing on the move. And I just haven't really seen uh, this new offense implement a lot of that, especially in situations where, you know, the defense is going to like have their ears pinned back, um, you know, third downs. So I just want to see what you guys think. Thank you. 
It's a good question, and we haven't seen him rolling out a ton. There haven't been a couple plays that feel like it kind of got shortened really quickly. What do you think about that, Dave, and getting Justin Herbert on the move more? I love it. I mean, uh, Justin Herbert throws the ball on the move extremely well. I like it when they move the pocket. I think that makes the pass rushers have to go get him. Uh, and then some of my favorite plays is just them setting up the those long, you know, shot plays to, to Mike Williams where Justin Herbert's Back throwing it all the way the across the field. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. That's huge. Yeah, I'd like to see more of it. I'd also just like to see Justin Herbert trying to make more out of some of these plays, right? Especially on some of these throwaways. I like being responsible. But especially given game context, at what point of the game it is, you need to go win the game. I don't want you throwing it away with without being imminently tackled, right? right? If you have a defensive tackle running at you, I want you to extend, create out of structure, find guys down the field. And it's on the receivers and running backs too, right? Be, second effort, being Stay able alive. to find a way to come back to your quarterback when the play breaks down. We saw, you know, the rollouts to Austin Eckler in the flats again, you know, touchdown that won the game against the Cardinals last year. You also go back to all the Gerald Everett plays, you know, full rollouts. Harder to do on third down unless you're in a manageable situation because if you're not running the football, most rollouts are happening off of play action. But, yeah, moving the pocket, getting Justin Herbert on the move, Justin Herbert creating out of structure and using his legs more, something we're all in favor of. But that's going to wrap things up for today's show. And make sure you guys don't miss tomorrow's crossover episode with Lockdown Vikings and Luke Braun. Make sure to follow us wherever you get your podcast from and also follow or subscribe for free on the Lockdown Chargers YouTube channel. If you guys like the show, Please go give us a five-star review and tell us what you like about the show on Apple Podcasts. We have been getting ripped by some other teams' fans because we haven't been nice to the other teams' fans' teams. So that always sucks, obviously, when we work as hard as we do. But we appreciate all of your guys' support and is really showing out this week. You can also hit us up on all of our social media and find the show there every day at LockdownLAC on Twitter. Drow Talk SD for David and Dan Talk Sports for me for our handles. And you can find us show's page on Instagram at LockdownChargers and our Lockdown Chargers Facebook page. But... Thank you to everyone who called into the voicemail line. If you guys want to get your 30-second question, you can do it at 323-524-7924. Call in. Get your question in there. But make sure you're back here tomorrow for Crossover Thursday, where I'll be joining Luke Braun to talk about two teams that are allergic to finishing. So we'll get into that tomorrow. But until then, guys, take it easy and go Bolts.